Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and forgive me if I'm beginning to sound a bit repetitive, but it's been a big week here in WWE. A lot to get to. We hope you enjoyed the off-seasons, because in the last week we've experienced two colossal season premieres. Friday Night SmackDown, Monday Night Raw, NXT keeps turning up the heat. And of course, I can't cover all of this madness, all of this breaking news throughout the WWE Universe without my co-pilot, the Fighting Irishman, KP, Kevin Patrick. What's the good word, my friend? You've had yourself a hell of a week. Oh, Gravy, great to see you, man. I tell you what, I woke up in a phenomenal mood today because I woke up in my own bed. I'm back in the little closet studio here in, in Atlanta and uh, great to see your beautiful face through the through the call here. I'm just, it's just great to be home. You know what it's like when you wake up in your own bed, you could put on the pot of coffee. And for those that listen in and watch our shows, the travel grind is real. It's real. We're in different cities every single week and there's something special but being in your own bed, man, waking up next no to your doubt wife, about it. You get no thing. disagreement from me, but also I have to draw attention to the fact that you're an absolute madman and you voluntarily like triple your travel load because you still do your football matches. Yeah. See what I did there? Football matches. I didn't say, say soccer, soccer. You games, can say KP. calcio. You can call it whatever you want, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, KP, I nearly forgot. We've got a big time guest this week. None other than Nia Jax. So much to get to with her. I want to talk about her time away from WWE and what brought the irresistible force back to WWE. Well, I'm glad that you've made it home safe and sound. I can tell. You you can see in your eyes. You're a little tired, but you're grinning from ear to ear. I like that. I like that you got to live the full life of the WWE play-by-play guy pulling double duty. Because it has been a massive week. No shortage of topics to talk about just for our own sanity. Let's take it back to this past Friday night on SmackDown. The season premiere, the return of the Tribal Chief, KP. It was a a blink-and-you-miss-it sort of night. One of those episodes of SmackDown that starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, and by the time you look at your watch or your phone, it's like three minutes till the end of the night. Mm -hmm. We go off the air with the Tribal Chief standing over the hottest star in the business, L.A. Knight. What were your biggest takeaways from everything that went down in Tulsa? Number one takeaway, okay, is that Roman Reigns, while being hated by so many people around the world, was so unbelievably beloved where we were in Tulsa on Friday Night SmackDown. Did you see the crowd? Did you see the reaction? When that music hit and Roman Reigns eventually walks out, the entire arena was standing, acknowledging Roman Reigns. And I wasn't sure that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like you don't know. In each arena, there's a different sense. There's a different aura, a different feel, a different sensation. But everybody in Tulsa was acknowledging Roman. Did you notice that? I absolutely noticed it. And it's been the same in every arena in which Roman has walked over the past year or so. And I say that only in the last year or so because Roman, in my opinion, and the opinion of many, and I believe I've heard or read Paul Heyman say something similar to where Roman Reigns has transcended being a champion or transcended even being the face of WWE in that Roman is a true attraction. An attraction as the guy, as the undisputed WWE universal champion. Yes, you've got Seth Rollins doing the Lord's work on Mondays as the world heavyweight champion, being that workhorse champion. But Roman is something different entirely. And it almost draws back to to the days of a Bruno Sammartino or Hulk Hogan. 
And we talked about it here on After the Bell, and, and I'm grateful for everybody who's been listening that long as we approach 200 episodes. More on that later. Uh, not to toot my own horn just yet. But when Roman comes to town, it's an event. It's a happening, as Gorilla Monsoon used to say. It's something you cannot miss. It truly is must-see TV because you don't see Roman all the time. But when you do, when that that, that operatic note hits to begin the music, that dun, 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 and then you hear the, the angelic voice that everybody, if you watch the fans, there's a half a second before everyone stands up and throws their ones in the air where everyone just looks. And there's that tangible feeling in the arena of, oh my God, he's here. We have star. You you hear L.A. Knight. You hear the the robot voice at the beginning of L.A. Knight's music. You know people stand straight up. It's almost reflexive. People just instinctively stay. Oh my God! It's time to get excited. But Roman almost offers this level of disbelief, this truly larger than life persona when he is present. And Roman has worked incredibly hard to cultivate that. But that's what we're experiencing now. The same reason that a a King Kong Bundy or Andre the Giant. Or, or insert name here, who were the Undertaker later in his career, where you weren't necessarily caught up in your own emotions as to whether or not you like this guy or you can't wait to cheer him or boo him. You're just excited that he's there. It is truly a sight to behold on television, yes, but even more so in an arena where you get that intimate communal experience of realizing there are 10,000 or so other WWE fans in the same pocket of disbelief that you are. And you are all lucky enough to witness the tribal chief. It is unbelievable. And I can't say enough about it. You know, it takes me back in time a little bit. I've talked to you about this before. You mentioned I also work in the football world. I've been to Real Madrid. I've been to Barcelona. I've seen the Messi versus Ronaldo's, right? And I've seen and witnessed at the Santiago Bernabeu in Madrid, the Spanish capital, or at the Camp Nou in Barcelona, how these teams emerge to the opera, right? They walk out to Placido Domingo in in Barcelona. They they walk out to Hala Madrid. And when they do that, there's a a spine-tingling aura about it. Similar with Roman Reigns. It takes you back and it's gladiator-esque. Yes. When that music hits and he's walking out and it's, and it's that wait for Roman to emerge. My God, man. The feeling there in the arena is always something unique and different as it is watching the television. Watching Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, you feel that sense of, holy, he's here. Yes. This is happening. It's like time stands still. Like you are about to see something that you've only read about in books. Almost mythical. And it continues to grow. And as the dominance continues, the legend that is Roman Reigns will continue to grow. And to be fair, we had that momentary interaction, just a quick little stare and acknowledgement, pun intended, between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, which I think a lot of the WWE universe went, oh my God, we almost forgot about that. Like that was the most important thing happening in WWE on the lead up to WrestleMania. Cody understandably, has not given up on finishing his story, but he's taken a a, a few sidetracks, as you have to. I mean, when Roman's not in town, you can't challenge the guy, and and Roman's got other other guys chasing him at all times. It it looks like L.A. Knight could be the next to step up or step foot on the island of relevancy. But just that look, that is one of those special moments. I've seen that still shot all over my social media in the days since because it reminded, and that's all it was, 
I hate to say it's a tease. It wasn't, it, oh, hey, everybody, remember this? It was just that organic, oh, my God, we forgot. We were so obsessed. KP, you and I did the this podcast after WrestleMania, and we talked about how the collective hearts of the WWE universe were shattered. And the business and WWE and the fans and everybody have been so red hot recently that it's easy to, to forget because we're moving a million miles an hour. And then just to have that glimpse of, oh, the story's still not finished. What does this mean? What could this mean? And I don't expect it to come to fruition in the very near future, but it was just that little breadcrumb to let everybody know, oh, there's still a little bit of meat left on this bone. And you're saying, I forgot. Can we take it back to who Roman Reigns actually interrupted? John Cena. Right. At the beginning of Friday Night Smackdown. It's John Cena, the greatest of all time, kicking off the show when Roman's music actually hits. We just stare off there. We just stare off with Roman and Cody Rhodes. We just stare off with LA Knight and Roman Reigns. This was a Friday Night Smackdown that I won't forget anytime soon. I, but that's that stare off between Cena and Roman was fascinating for me because I talk about the, the WWE universe, the fans acknowledging Roman. All of a sudden then when Roman got to the ring, I'm looking around and you saw me again and just doing a little bit of this, taking off the headset for anyone watching on YouTube, <laughs> taking off the headset just to feel what's going on. And all of a sudden, everybody acknowledging Roman, there was a certain percentage that went, Cena, Cena. Mm. And you started to feel it going, who's with Roman here? Who's with Cena? Until Cena quickly shifted gears and allowed LA Knight take, uh, take a lot of the spotlight and step to Roman. But I think the biggest problem we, as the collective WWE universe, are suffering from right now is an embarrassment of riches. We've got John Cena. We've got Roman Reigns. L.A. Knight is setting the world on fire. This is just on Friday Night SmackDown. You've got the Queen Charlotte Flair. Insert megastar here. Oh, and by the way, just in case your appetite wasn't satiated with all of the madness from Friday Night SmackDown season premiere, uh, just wait a couple days. Yeah. We're going to give you even more. And KP, I'm very proud of you. I wanted to wait to say this publicly. You were sent on a foray, an expedition, if you will, <laughs> on your own. No safety net, no CG, no Michael Cole. Just you and the big Brit, Wade Barrett. You did a fantastic job. But how was it? How was it from your perspective flying solo, so to speak, again on Monday Night Raw? Well, well that's it, though. And for anyone listening, it's no secret. I lean on you a lot. You know, I have th throughout the, the last year, and it's now been a year, you know, season premiere to season premiere, of leaning on Corey Graves and of late Michael Cole, and you learn so much sitting next to Michael Cole. You just do. I mean, Can't even the not. way he punches home graphics, you know, like his, his energy, his emotion, his psychology, his storytelling. Same for you, bud. You will absolutely in time be regarded as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, to do the position you're in. And I learn from you each and every week. But with that, sometimes comes a little bit of trepidation because I'm next to someone who does this damn job so perfectly that all of a sudden you're just, you're, you're, you're kind of caught sometimes and, and you, you don't spit out what's on your mind. Well, I needed to on Monday um, because I'm next to Wade and Wade's brilliant at what he's doing as well. But Wade is still somewhat green on commentary like myself. He's only been doing it a few years, right? Wade, if, mm -hmm. if not, if not even less than that. Yeah, so it was time for Wade and I to, to both step up and Wade was a real leader. Hopefully I did my part as well. And, and we had fun. We did. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a great show. We had a lot of big moments to talk about, which we'll get into right now. And uh, all in all, we went and we had a pint of Guinness afterwards and we said cheers because it was the first time in raw history that an American accent wasn't on the commentary desk. 
pretty warm. We got to change that now. This yeah. yank needs to I, listen. Come on now, I I can't have any regional dialects or or accents anymore. I need at least one one American to to bring you know real estate value down at the table. Yeah. No, but it it'll be great to be back on with you guys on Friday, and uh, and then Cole will obviously be back. Michael Cole, what about Cole? Like a well earned day off. And do you know what? For anyone out there that's saying no, this is his third show he's missed now. Absolutely not. If anything, he's missed minus shows because Cole is pulling double duty. So this one shouldn't count. That's true. I agree with that. But I also, I, I debated for about 30 seconds sending out a message on social media uh, on, during the show on Monday night to, to tell the fans, hey, you guys made such a big deal out of Michael Cole not missing shows for 26 years that the first opportunity he had, he fled the coop. So blame yourselves. <laughs> Had you guys not brought it to his attention, we sure as hell weren't going to. Nobody in WWE bothered to tell Cole that until, you know, Seth Rollins brought it up on the microphone. Well, so. I, I passed Rollins backstage and Rollins looks at me and he's all ready to go and he's doing his little dance and he says, I give Michael Cole all that praise and then he takes the night off. <laughs> uh, but the, the embarrassment of riches continued on Monday, on the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. Uh, I want to talk first things first, because chronologically, it occurred prior to what I want to talk about next, that being the Falls Count Anywhere match between Ricochet and Shinsuke Nakamura. No shortage of highlight reel footage out of that one. No, it was unbelievable. Ricochet, what this fella can can do is just superhuman. I mean, a shooting star press from amongst the WWE universe into a crowd full of people wiping out Shinsuke. But, but Shinsuke is the one I really want to touch on because he waited for that moment, didn't he? he? He's just, there's something dark, sinister, evil nearly about Shinsuke right now. And he's dangerous. And Ricochet, as Wade said on commentary, is all heart. And that can sometimes come at a cost. And he put him through the table. Shinsuke put Ricochet through Kinshasa. And I think maybe, maybe moves on from Ricochet all of a sudden. But, but Ricochet outstanding performance from a fella who is must see television every time he's on your screen. No doubt about it. That this was an example KP, as we have been talking recently where one person wins, but both person, both people succeed, meaning that Ricochet's stock rose even in defeat. But for Shinsuke Nakamura, it was of the utmost importance in my opinion to establish himself again after coming up short in his bid to become world heavyweight champion. Yes, they were incredible matches with Rollins, but sometimes you run the risk of having that shot at the top of the mountain and then tumbling all the way back down to where you started. But what Nakamura did, I think, was prevent that downward slide for himself with a decisive, impressive, brutal victory over Ricochet and the vignettes again. I stand by the fact that we are seeing the best Shinsuke Nakamura we have seen since he arrived in the United States as a member of NXT, WWE. We are seeing the truest form of Shinsuke, and I truly think that the sky is the limit for the King of Strong style. I know, and let's see where he focuses attention next because it feels to me, Gravy, like Shinsuke is going to do whatever the hell Shinsuke wants right now. And he's going to target whoever he wants. I just get that feeling about him. You? I absolutely agree. I'm just curious. And Nakamura has... It's tough in this business when you possess a certain mystique to recapture it. And I think that's what we've seen out of Shinsuke. Shinsuke, when he arrived, was just sort of exotic. And, and if you knew, you knew. You knew what Nakamura accomplished in Japan and what a, what a star he was over there. So if you followed the business over there. You had an idea. Maybe you were excited, but there was just something mysterious 
about Shinsuke and his movements. And, and he's somewhere in, in between Michael Jackson and Bruce Lee and his, his mannerisms and everything that makes Shinsuke Shinsuke. And, and I dare say that the bloom was off the rose for a while. Shinsuke became sort of just another WWE superstar. So it was of the utmost importance for him to step out on his own, which he did in the, the rivalry with Rollins. But again, in, in doing, in having the battles with Rollins, we realized, oh, or we remembered what Shinsuke yeah. is capable of. And he's taken that and expanded on it and grown it. And to me, the mystique is back, maybe better than ever. There's no one else like him, Gravy. On oh, WWE television, who else is like Shinsuke? And, and, and there are a lot of people like each other, right? There's a lot of characteristics that you can put, you can put in categories nearly. But I think Shinsuke is in a category of his own. I, I'm not going to argue with you. I, I've been a big fan of Shinsuke Nakamura since his days in New Japan. I, I, I used to steal his stuff when I was in NXT. I used to try to replicate it very poorly, but <laughs> I, I used to borrow heavily, I would say. Or at least that was my intention. I'm sure I didn't have the, the physical abilities or the cool factor that Shinsuke had. But uh, You know what else is unique? Was that? The tag team of Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso, man. Uh, that, was a, that was a unique tag team while it lasted, but they were was. done in. Was Gone being in. the operative word. They are yeah. no longer unique in a sense that they have lost tag team titles. They have joined another laundry list of people who have suffered that fate. But the Judgment Day back back on top again, KP. Yeah, I know. Wearing all the gold again now. Dom obviously lost his title. NXT North American title wins it back. Rhea still, you know, will put her title on the line in a fatal five-way, which we'll discuss with one of the competitors from that match here momentarily, Nia Jax. But Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso were flying in this match. They were looking like they were going to retain. No question about it. Until, damn it, Jimmy Uso, out of nowhere, where the hell did he come from, screws his own brother yet again. And it just, it came on a night that must have been incredibly emotional for Jey Uso, given all that played out with the, the, the confrontations with Drew McIntyre, when he's like, look, I'll never trust you. The confrontation with Sami Zayn, in which Sami had to nearly apologize because he's like, Damn it, you're the reason that Kevin Owens is no longer by my side. He left Monday Night Raw because of you, Jey Uso. And then Jey gets screwed by his own brother. Feels like Jey Uso only has one friend right now, Cody Rhodes, and you wonder where that'll go. Watching Jey Uso exist on Monday Night Raw gives me anxiety. It makes me uncomfortable. And it is what I would imagine would happen if you, you broke up in spectacular fashion with an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or partner or whatever it may be. And you broke up and you said every evil thing you could possibly think of to one another because it was ugly and you were both trying to win the argument and it was both of your faults and this, that, and the other thing. And then all of a sudden, you show up at her family reunion. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's going to be a brother that you used to get along with and you're like, oh, hey, man, good to see you. you know, we didn't fall out. Me and your girl fell out. But... Otherwise, the rest of the family's going, wait, who invited this? Wait, yeah. isn't this the same yeah. guy? It just doesn't, I don't see it ending well. I just Everyone's think it's been a, there. Come on, folks. not you a good situation. I, I don't envy Jay Uso in any way, shape, or form. And obviously, unfortunately for Jay and Cody, they are no longer the undisputed tag team champions. But while we're on the topic of titles, KP, I know we've got Nia Jax coming down the pike in a matter of minutes. She is a heavy hitter. And I don't think she would have been out of place in a matchup like we saw for the Intercontinental Championship. We're wow. talking heavy hitters. We're talking big, meaty men slapping meat. Gunther, Bronson, Reed, KP, congratulations. You got yourself a banger on Monday yeah. night. 
Yeah, and you always talk to me in the early stages of commentary about getting lost in a match. I didn't know where I was. It was an out-of-body experience, you know, experiencing that alongside Wade. Gunther is Gunther. We've waxed lyrical about Gunther so many times on this show. Bronson Reed was elevated in the minds of everybody in defeat. And it's something you often talk about is that he, he was a winner in a different way on that night on Monday Night Raw. Man, his, his whole chest looked like minced meat after mm-hmm. that battle with Gunther. But yet, you, you, I'm sure, watching at home noticed there was something different about Gunther. What was it? I can't put my, my finger on it, but something felt different about this match from Gunther's perspective. I'll tell what you what it? it was. Gunther competed almost predominantly from a defensive manner. And I don't mean that he was playing defense the entire time. It's that Gunther's strategy and the way he approached Bronson Reed was very different than what we're used to seeing from the ring general. It was a healthy professional respect because as big and imposing and dangerous and powerful and skilled as Gunther is, he realized Bronson Reed is a different cat, man. This is a different breed of human being. He's 330 pounds, but he moves like a man half that size. Oh, by the way, he is actually a legitimate power lifter. So Reed was arguably one of the strongest men Gunther's been in the ring with, at least in WWE, if not ever. It's a different type of opponent. And what we saw out of Gunther was strategy. He strategized differently. Notice he was looking for the sleeper hold early on. Yeah. He wasn't trying to stand toe-to-toe and chop down Bronson. Of course, he connected with a you know dozen of his trademark chops, but that wasn't Gunther's strategy. It wasn't that bully that we're used to seeing. Yeah. He had to strategize. He had to stick and move. And at times, it looked like Bronson was going to topple the ring general. It looked as though Gunther had exhausted all of his resources yeah. until he digs down deep, somehow delivers another thunderous powerbomb. I was still, you know, baffled from when he did it to Otis a few weeks ago to do it again to Bronson Reed and retain. But my biggest takeaway, KP, was less about the physicality. And I don't want to say it wasn't about the physicality because trust me, you know as well as anybody, that's what I love. I love dudes just throwing hands and just beating the out of each other. It was the reaction from the WWE universe when the bell rang and Samantha Irvin introduced and still, or announced and still, Gunther. There was applause. There wow. was something okay. organic in the crowd where they were appreciative of the battle they just witnessed. And it wasn't a, boo, Gunther, you're foreign. You're the bad guy. You're the mean. No. Because if you think about it, Gunther is not a bad guy in a sense that his motivations to me seem pretty pure. They are the same motivations as everybody who steps into the ring to have great matches, to win championships, to have your name and legacy live on forever. Gunther treats the math like it's sacred. And Gunther may be a little more high and mighty than the average fan would want to, to approve of or understand. But the fans are starting to learn Like we talk about on this show week after week after week, ad nauseum, I gush about Gunther because he is as good as he says he is. You can bet your bottom dollar every time he steps in the ring, it's going to be memorable. And this dude is growing into a force that will stand the test of time. And I think the fans are just starting to go, yeah, maybe he's a little arrogant. Maybe he's a little 
more cocky than my favorite superstar, but God dang, he's good. And I like to watch him do what he does. KP, I'm going to drop a hot take on you before we introduce Nia Jax to ATB. She is patiently waiting in the wings. We're grateful. And I don't like to keep Nia waiting. You heard it here first. By the time the Royal Rumble rolls around, KP, in Old Gravy's estimation, Gunther will be a fan favorite and wildly popular amongst the WWE universe without changing a damn thing about what he does. I think he is going to, because that's, that's the magic of Gunther. He's just good. It's not dissimilar to, to back in the day when Mr. Perfect was around in WWE. Mr. Perfect was this guy who was telling you, I am so, I'm not good. I'm perfect. And if you met that human being or you or your buddy or, or anybody you know said that, no, I'm, I'm perfect, you would want to slap the taste out of their mouth. But when Kurt Hennig got in the ring from bell to bell, whether it was against Roddy Piper or Bret Hart or, or insert classic match here, people started going, he might be perfect. And I may not want to buy his T-shirt, but God, I'm never going to miss anything he does in the ring. And you begin to appreciate what this athlete brings to the table. And maybe that's not the greatest comparison, but I don't think I'm that far off the mark. Gunther will stand the test of time. And I'm telling you, by the time we get to Tropicana Field in January, when Gunther's music hits, it will be a lot closer to the reaction for an LA night than it is for what we've been used to seeing from the ring general who, eh, we don't really like this guy. He's kind of a jerk. That's my prediction. You know what else appreciates? is Gravy's predictions. Because you did say, well, a bit ago now, to be fair, that Gunther is the greatest professional wrestler walking God's green earth. Those were your words. And guess what? With every match, that compounds and that appreciates and that grows in value. And you're absolutely spot on. And, and I, I don't disagree with you at all. And this is from, look, your, your wisdom is through the roof here, bud. I'm learning each and every week. I'm absolutely learning. But I'm seeing what you're saying. You know, and there is this massive appreciation for everything that he does. And, and you're spot on. When you walk the walk and talk the talk and you do all that and you say you're as good as you are and you back it up, what's not to love? You know, what's not to love? I completely agree with you. And I, let me say it again. Let me double down. I do not want to see Gunther smiling and shaking people's hands and high-fiving people and talking about you and we, we did it. No, I want Gunther to keep doing the same damn thing he does each and every night forever. I love it. I am never going to grow tired of it. And I think the future is extremely bright. Again, an embarrassment of riches. And as red hot as WWE has been over the past year and a half or so, it seems to get longer and longer, the timeline and things keep getting hotter and hotter. You're seeing a few uh, familiar faces join the fray. None more so than our guest at this time, Nia Jax. Naya, first things first, welcome to After the Bell for the first time ever. I owe you an apology. I didn't even realize this was your first time. Uh, so welcome, and the floor is yours. For what? For what? What do you want me to say? Whatever you want to say. I'm, I'm, I'm offering my platform here on After the Bell to the irresistible force, Naya Jax. We're going to take this conversation wherever the hell you want it to go. Graves, I'm scared, man. We've had a lot of badasses on this show. A lot of people that have looked at me before and I've felt that they wanted to rip my head off. Nia Jax is one of them. I can confirm. I can confirm. Nia and I communicate from time to time. She does, in fact, want to rip your head off. 
So I'll uh, text them every now and then. I'll be like, yo, rip his head off for me. I can't stand him. <laughs> I usually do that. And I found so out that it's laughing. you, by the way. Yeah. When, I, when, when I get laughing, those... looking at his phone, he's like, oh, it's me. I'm making yeah. fun of you. Basically. Oh, man. So, okay. So, so buckle up, KP. It could be a long day. Uh, Naya, so much to get to. I mean, a lot of ground to cover. Uh, so let's start at the top. I mean, uh, we could start back at the beginning and your first run here in WWE, but let's stick with the present, the here and the now or leading up to it. Uh, I think the, the, I know I was shocked when I heard the news, uh, I guess a year plus ago when that you were gone from WWE. Um, and, and I think a lot of people want to know what Nia Jax did in her time away from WWE that prepared you for this run we're experiencing now. Uh, well, I mean, I was pretty shocked too, like <laughs> my time away and it happened to become one of the best things that ever happened to me. Uh, I was able to really deep dive into finding myself again. I'm sure, you know, more than anybody else is that when you're in the bubble for so long, you kind of get lost in the sauce, you know, of WWE. It's a big, like, I don't, I don't want to say drug, but there's just like, it's a bubble. You're in a bubble and you're stuck in the WWE world and you don't really see outside. You have your blinders on and being released gave me the time to actually like dive back into myself and figure out like what I want and what I want to do. And, uh, it was funny cause I was telling Kevin and he didn't really know, but I bought 40 acres of land <laughs> and like I you decided, do. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. You just buy or some land, right? 40 acres. Yeah, about 48. Who are you? John Dutton. Yellowstone, well, huh? Well, I mean, honestly, I'm about to go down that route. I can see it. Fighting land, for my land. Land Baron, Nia Jax. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Um, oh, can you imagine but, if Rhea Ripley bought the 40 acres next to her? Why are we talking oh about gosh. Rhea Ripley already, yeah, Kevin? Sorry, sorry, this is sorry, why you sorry, are not sorry. in the good graces of Nia Jax. God, I'm this trying to teach you, man. You. This is why I cannot stand you. Anyways, Corey. Um, so yeah, about 40 acres of land, I started clearing it and we've been put fencing up. We got some animals. I have, uh, like about 30 to 40 chickens. I just got a llama, I have a goat and a pig. Um, and now we're actually trying to fence out for some dairy cows. So. Wow. Tax farms, yes, man. There you go. It basically. Yeah. There, that's going to be the big, a huge project. The big rivalry. You're going to have to renew it. It'll be Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. Battle of the Farms. Yeah. <laughs> I That's know, what it's right? about. You know, it'll be like the, the Hatfields and the McCoys, just a long standing farmland battle. <laughs> she definitely has a step up on the animals. So now, I give now, her that. Did you grow up around animals or is this something you just went, I'm going to try to be a farmer? Uh, honestly, like, I just, it sounds, I've, I've never been this kind of person, but I, like spiritually, I just found myself like gravitating towards that. I grew up on beaches. I'm an island girl. I am Samoan and German. I was raised, I was born in Sydney, Australia. I was raised in Hawaii. Then I grew up in Carlsbad, California. I've been on the coast my entire life. So I am not a farm girl whatsoever. <laughs> um, it is all literally learn as I go. Uh, it's it crazy because it's like I took on like a big chunk of land that, that hadn't been cleared. Like if you buy an actual farm out here, it's like insanely expensive. But I decided to just, Start from scratch. So buying a chunk of land and then clearing it and fencing it. And I've never played this game before. Let's start at expert level. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, let's just go. Let's see how it goes. So but not, Naya, you did this though pre-release, right? So in, in many ways, did 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 having this sanctuary become a place of of peace after your release from WWE? 
It really has. Like it's, it's a, uh, it's something that, you know, people don't really take advantage of just going out in the middle of nowhere and enjoying like nature. And, you know, I have water, I have, we have random like deer that pop up. We also have bears, like black bears that kind of little, little baby bears, you know, they're sweet and cute, but you don't get too close. But it's been really, uh, it's been such a great thing for me. And now I feel like it's something that like, it's a legacy that I kind of created. So now, you know, my family, like my brother wants to come out and like put some, um, put a house on it. And I'm, I want to buy the back 40 acres so that we can like expand, like maybe have like a family compound you know, get really hippie with it. Everybody does their own thing. We exchange our goods, live off the, live off the, the you the know, Nia the Jax commune coming <laughs> yes, soon. Yes. 100%. <laughs> right. Uh, no, it's amazing. And that's literally like, it's what I was doing when I had my time off, just really diving into myself and then, um, getting back to a, like a happy place, uh, within my, you know, within me. Talk to us a little bit more about that. What, what did that entail for you? How did you get there? Uh, so I had a really amazing life coach that, um, Nikki Bella actually referred to me and her name's Carrie. And, uh, I was never really big into like, you know, we call it life coach, but basically therapy. Right. And, uh, and I f- found myself just not understanding why I was in this weird, dark, unhappy place when I have been so blessed. Right. I'm like, why is there something inside of me that's just not like clearing? And, um, so I had some good therapy sessions with her that, she really guided me in direction to help me find to break through those kind of dark places that I was in and, um, and like getting back to nature and getting back to like, you know, church and my spirituality and stuff like that. And that's really what helped guided me to get to like a place of like, okay, now I really want to start focusing on getting healthier. And cause my mental health was starting to get there. So I'm like, okay, my body, I want my body to follow in line. And, um, and yeah, just kind of all, it's crazy how it all just kind of came together. Like right, right. Once I cleared my, my head, the body and, and everything started falling in suit. I love that. That, that follows suit. Yeah. Everything that happens inside yeah. is, is more important and the outside comes with it. Yeah. So it what really advice does. would you have Naya, for anyone listening that may be going through those daily struggles that you happen to be in during those times, any advice? So, I mean, it's hard because everybody has such a different struggle, right? My advice was uh, I tried to, I tried so hard thinking that like it was something outside of me that could help me. You know, if I buy this or if I eat that, if, you know, if I go out and do this and consume these things with all my friends, that maybe it'll just like make me feel better. Or like, I sound so vain, but it's like I post this selfie and if I look really pretty online, that maybe if people give me this, like baseless affection online, like with our likes that I'm going to find some sort of like happiness. And that is not what happened for me. I literally had to sit with myself and really deep dive into all of my demons. And I had to clear them, you know, one by one uh, to get to a good place. And um, so my advice is to, to really sit down with yourself and just be totally honest with, with what's going on. You know, be it's, it's hard when you're more honest with yourself, you know, like, other people, like all my friends and family, no, you're amazing. You're great. You know, it's like, I love you guys because you love me, but I know there's something wrong. And I really had to be honest with myself about that. So just being open and honest about it to yourself. You mentioned the importance that we as a society have put on baseless likes and social media, et cetera, et cetera. Talk to us a little bit about how that can weigh on a superstar. Uh, maybe back to to your last run, but I know uh, 
Kevin and I are not immune to it. Even as announcers, there are people waiting constantly to pick you apart, to jump on every mistake you make, to jump on mistakes you don't even make that they've perceived in their mind and, and they push these narratives. And, and look, it's no secret. Nia Jax is a bit of a firebrand when it comes to the, the internet wrestling community. How did all that weigh on you? And, and talk about your therapy and your journey to sort of realize that that's not a priority. Well, I, I mean, I obviously can't deny that I get a lot of hatred online. Um, but in the beginning, I was like, oh, this will be good. You know, this will be good for, you know, the, the character will keep going on. But at the end of the day, like when you're by yourself and you're on your phone and you're looking at the constant hate, 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 you're like, OK, then you're just con- you're second guessing yourself. I'm second guessing everything I've done. Like, you know, oh, I'm I need to improve and I need to do this and I need to impress them. Like the Internet is really hating what I'm doing right now. And it really, really messed me up. It got me into such a sad place of like when I got released, I'm like, yeah, of course. Why not? I suck. Everybody hates me. like there's no need for me to to be here anymore. And um, but then you know, when I got into my therapy and I've always said this before, I don't think anybody who's a happy person goes online and on other people. Fair. And I, you're right. Like I had to put it in the perspective, like, okay, this is a character and in WWE, like Nia Jax is blended with Lena because it's not like they run credits like Nia Jax, Lena Panini. Right. 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 So it's like people when they're, I mean, like when they see me in the streets, people are like, Nia, you suck or whatever. You're just like, but Lena over here is actually a good person. And, you know, so Wait, you I mean to tell to... me somebody has actually approached you on the street to tell you that you sucked because that is not a risk I would be willing to take. <laughs> I was leaving an airport, like a, getting off a plane and somebody, it, they shouted it. Oh, Naya, okay. you suck. No, no, but this is a funny part. Like, Naya, you suck. You're actually not that big in person. You're not that fat. I was like, <sighs> I'm like, thanks. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's fun. But um, no, so like you sitting back with my my uh, life coach, she would just sit there and just, you know, constantly remind me of the fact that like there is you have to find the find the happiness within yourself because nobody happy is going to sit there and on them. So you have to find like, okay, well, somebody must be going through something to actually sit there online, pick somebody apart for no reason, because, you know, it's just like a bully in school, like they're unhappy. That's why they're Mm -hmm. picking on you. You know what I mean? So that's generally where I came from. And now when I go online, it's more of like, okay, this they are, they're picking on Naya. They're not picking on Lena. They are picking on Naya. And that is a character I am very proud of people to be picking on. That's really smart and, and tough to, to separate yeah. like that. So good for you on, on that. Yeah. It's a congratulations, honestly, to get to that point mentally, to, to be able to yeah. decipher it and figure out what you filter through and allow in your own mental space. I, when I took on this, broadcast role next to Corey, you know, from doing the backstage stuff, you get the odd tweet here and there, but I was never prepared for the amount of absolute that would hit the social media account and that I, that I'd look at week two. I didn't look at any of it week one. I'll never forget. We went to Oklahoma city gravy. You and I went to the pub afterwards, had a few pints and I went back to the hotel room and I was in the bathroom and I searched Kevin Patrick. Why I did that, I'll I'll never do it again. I, I don't know, but I found myself sinking down the wall no joke when I was just scrolling at, at the amount of, of, of person, like stuff that, that they come at me for and tag me. And then other stuff that they just, I'd search Kevin Patrick and see. And I thought I was the worst human being on the planet. Like 
in that moment, you are, but for different reasons. It has nothing to do with your career. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll get into you that later. You can't see past it in that moment. There's just this huge dark cloud and the importance of having loved ones in your life just to say, you're not, first of all, remove yeah. yourself from it. But it takes time and, and nothing can replace time, right? Like time to work on it yourself. I had one recently that I laughed with Gravy about that said, Kevin Patrick is the most annoying human being on the planet, period. Next sentence. And it's not even close. <laughs> they obviously haven't met Byron Saxon. That's true. That is, that is absolutely true. <laughs> but man, so, it, it takes time. It does. Naya, was there a point that you can recall uh, during your time away and while you're working on yourself and making all these changes in your life where you decided, okay, I think it's time to make another run at this or... or was it something that sort of happened by happenstance or were you really conscious of the decision that, okay, I'm going to give this another go. So when it, in the journey of like getting my body, right. Cause you know, that was something that really hit me when I was like, I put on 60 pounds in a year and I just being in a bad place. And I looked at myself. And so when I started on my fitness journey and I started losing weight, I was like, Oh, let me get back in the ring. You know, that's another good workout. It was just uh, mainly okay. to get a workout. Great cardio. Like, yeah, <laughs> no exactly. better cardio in the world than Nothing, shape. Exactly. I always tell people when they ask me, I'm like, you will never, like you can run all you want. You can do all the sprints. Like nothing will match getting in the ring for the cardio. So I had hit up Natty and I'm like, Natty, I just want to get in with you, you know, roll around for some fun. And uh, mind you, this was after the rumble. Like I wasn't planning on coming back. Uh, oh, full-time. okay. I thought this was pre-Royal yeah. Rumble. So this, so the Rumble thing, let, let me, let me pause you real quick before we go to the Natty yeah. aspect of the journey. Yeah. How did the Royal Rumble <laughs> appearance come to be? Because that was a shock to all of us. So, uh, you obviously know my cousin Tamina. She was like, she, she was just like, I don't know, sis, this might be my last Rumble. And I'm like, oh no, is it your last Rumble? I would love to be a part of it. Cause they had asked me the previous year. At just newly released, they had asked me to return for the Rumble, and I said, with a very expletive, no. <laughs> um, and so this year, I'm thinking, like, oh, if they ask me, and if this is going to be Tamina's last Rumble, I really want to be a part of it. Like, I would, you know, um, if anybody knows Tamina, she's got the biggest heart in the world. Of any human, I, not, it, not exclusive to the wrestling business, probably exactly. of humanity. Exactly, 100%. And I was like, dang, I, I would love to be a part of that. So. I had, um, I had reached out to, uh, I told TJ, you know, um, and said, Hey, if there's any way, like, you know, they think they want to put me in the rumble. I would love to be a part of the rumble. And I told John Cone. And so, um, and then apparently they, it worked out. I was at my house, my mom's house in California, like two weeks before. And, uh, TR Dan from TR had reached out. was like, Hey, so you're going to be in the rumble. And I was like, okay. I'm like, sure, why not? So thankfully, like I had gear makers that, you know, got it together. And but I had no intention of like being full time again. I thought like come back, have a cool like little rumble, you know, entrance, do something cool possibly with my cousin, which didn't even happen. But and then, you know, kind of go off and and go back to the farm. Um, so yeah, I wasn't intending on going coming back permanently at the rubble. But when I did get in the ring at the rubble and I did experience the crowd and seeing everybody backstage, I was like Got that bug. Oh, I was like, I freaking miss it. And I was like, I wasn't in there long enough. I want to do this. I don't want to do that. And um, so, yeah, I was then my my fitness goals kind of like, you know, I, I was like, OK, I want to lose more weight. I want to 
be more mobile. And then that was when I said, okay, let me get some more cardio with Natty and see how it is. Like I just got in the rumble for like a minute and got tossed out. I had, I didn't do like a match or Mm -hmm. run, you know, some, some spots. So that's when I was like, you know, Natty and TJ are so amazing. They're like, absolutely. Come on in. And Natty, Natty loves good blow up drills. Blow up drill, blow up drill, blow up drill. So take the girl out of the dungeon, but you can't take the dungeon out of the girl. You can't. You cannot. <laughs> What's a blow up drill? JP, a blow up drill is, is uh, in. So I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to go on a little sidebar here, but it's for all for context, KP. Yes. Pulling back the curtain here. In to, to be in ring shape is arguably the highest level of fitness in. I would dare say most, if not all sports ring shape is very different from being able to run a marathon, but the, the physical necessity of being in a wrestling ring is start sprint, stop, slow down, sprint. So if you, if you're doing this on the street, I tell you to run sprint to the stop sign, then jog across the street, then run backwards, then sit still for 30 seconds and then sprint again. Your body doesn't know what to do. You can run 26.2 miles once a month and you're you're in a different type of condition than you are when you're in ring shape. Some yep. people aesthetically may not appear to be in great ring shape, but they are. That's a different kind of physical condition. You look all the way back to a guy like Dusty Rhodes and Dusty was infamous for, for not being these, these prototypical pro wrestler physique, but Dusty could go an hour, six nights a week because he had that conditioning. And Easily. that's what being in ring shape really means. So, so when Naya says, I need to get in ring shape and a blow-up drill is an exercise that you do generally in a ring that you just exhaust yourself. And then you push yourself past the point of exhaustion and it, it builds your in-ring stamina. And it can be something as simple as running the ropes or doing rolls or you know jump over the top rope and then dive under the bottom rope, whatever it may be. There's a million different variables or variants of a blow-up drill, but the goal ultimately is to get yourself in amazing ring shape. Yeah. That was my Mr. Wizard portion of the show. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. (laughs) That was great. No, that's, you should have that. No. So that's, so running the blow-up drills at Natty's talking to TJ. And then, you know, I started like watching the product again, you know, before I kind of was like, I don't want to see it. But then I started, Oh, let me watch the product and see how it's going. And looking at all the, there's so much new talent. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so much new talent I could work with. And, and then hearing the reaction at Rumble, knowing that people still kind of remember the Nia Jax character, I was like, oh, I wonder if like my character could kind of help any of these new girls. Like possibly, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm some guru, but like I know that without a shadow of a doubt, Nia Jax is a great heel. And uh, and I believe that, you know, every baby face needs an incredible heel to feed off of. And I thought, well, you know, good monster heel could possibly be needed at the moment. and. Um, um, I remember I was uh, talking to Sarah Amato because she was my coach uh, back at in NXT. Mm-hmm. And, I was, and she she was like, you look great. You look incredible. She's like, man, you know, I really think that like you're made for wrestling. Like, I feel like you should try it again. I'm like, really? I'm like, I would love to, but I'm not sure. And so she's like, just text Hunter. <laughs> she's like, just text him. I'm like, really? So I texted Hunter and I was just like, hey, uh, I was wondering if possibly if you had a spot for me to come back. And then I want to say like two minutes later, he was just like, yeah, let's talk. Let's like get on the phone and chat when, uh, soon. I'm like, so oh. it kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. It was, it was that easy. Cool. <laughs> I was like, I, I know. Triple H I we're talking about for anyone that's not <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and yeah, it snowballed from there and to where, you know, uh, it, 
I was, I didn't really know when I was going to return. I just knew, you know, we just chatted about like a possible time, but you know, he's so incredibly busy that it was like, they, nobody knew when it was going to be. It was like, oh, possibly SummerSlam after SummerSlam. We didn't know. And then finally uh, I got the call. They're like, Hey, you're needed. I'm like, okay. I'm fascinated so, by the, the personal side of this, Naya, because you've talked about your struggles. You've talked about your struggles inside the bubble, right? Mentally as yeah. well. And how you found yourself on the farm, being away from the wrestling world. You're talking about returning with a smile. But what were yeah. some of the non-negotiables for you, for Lena, in returning that you didn't want to fall back into the same traps again? Um, so for me, I had to, I, I really did sit with myself and think like, okay, so, and the, this is getting real vulnerable. I had to talk with somebody uh, on the, the plane, actually, uh, Sunday night on the way to Raw and how we were talking about how, like, when I was stuck in the bubble, I really didn't focus on my outside life. Like, I didn't focus on relationships. I didn't focus on, like, just myself and, like, essentially just Lena. And so this non-negotiable now is more of, like, I'm coming here to go to work to be a badass character of Nia Jax and give it my all when I'm there. When I'm home, I really have to get back to Lena. I have to turn that off, make sure Lena is being taken care of, make sure that all of my relationships in my life are taken care of. And then I can turn it back on when I go back to work. Cause that was something I didn't do the first time around, you know, um, have great, you discovered no, anything I, about, have you, have you learned anything about yourself? Like, Oh, this thing that I do now that I never did, or that I, I have, you, have you tried anything new or what have you learned about <laughs> Lena? So I am a competitor. So I just love doing something. So right now I'm into pickleball. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's into damn pickleball <laughs> these know. days. I know. But uh, I joined, joined my church pickleball team. And we just, I love, I bring like random friends and we'll go play. And like, it's all ages, but I'm always getting my butt kicked by some of these older people. And it really chaps me because I'm like, damn it. How are they getting me every time? We found Naya's kryptonite, <laughs> the elderly. <laughs> I know. With 90 year olds. I know. And they hit these spin shots and these trick shots and I get so irritated. But uh, I, I found that like outside of work, I need something to like continue to drive me to like get me excited to like get up and go. And, and I love Pilates. Like Pilates is another challenge for me. I know this sounds, you know, crazy, but like I've always been a lifting weights athlete, like, you know, more of the sports athlete. I've never been more of like that dancer. I mean, you know, Graves, because Carmella, Carmella, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Carmella, she's a big Pilates girl and right. it's just such a different kind of workout. And that is another challenge that I've accepted. And like, that's actually what really sparked my weight loss because I was like, I'm going to try this. It's something that like, I know that smaller girls do, but like I had, my core has been weak and I really want to try it and see how it works. And I needed a low impact workout because I had put on so much weight, you know, when you're so heavy doing he high impact, isn't good for your joints. And so it I started Pilates and then Pilates led to like other, you know, I was able to like do more like yoga and flexibility. And, and then I got, in, I started losing my weight and I was like, I'm gonna get on the pickleball court. And so like outside of work, I, I have my other activities. I have, you know, my brother has this one and a half year old, amazing little boy who just lights up my entire world and he lives not far from me. So I was his nanny for the first eight months of his life. And uh, so when I come home, I get to be with him and show him all these cool different things. And so those are the non-negotiables. Like I need to make sure that every time I come home, I get my, my time, where's my pickleball, my Pilates, my family, uh, not in that order, obviously going to church. Like, <laughs> um, those are my non-negotiables. 
of when I was coming back. Cause it needs, I need to make sure that like mentally I'm always going to be good because then I can give my all when I go to work, you know? And then when I get, when I'm done, I can give my all to my family and, and everything else when I come. I love that. It's all about balance. And I think, I think we all have to take that journey. I would say, admittedly, I am just yeah. now sort of figuring out that aspect of things within the last couple of years, I've done a lot of work on myself. I know KP's, all that stuff is extremely important to him. Um, so I'm very happy for you to, to hear you Thank say you. all that. And with that said, it sounds like you are in a great place mentally, the place you need to be to be as effective as possible within the WWE ring. And you mentioned a few minutes ago about all the young talent and the changeover in the roster since your last run here. It's a very, very different environment than Nia Jax was used to the last time in a sense that we've got a lot of heavy hitters nowadays. Yeah. You you enjoyed a, a size advantage over most of your opponents almost on a nightly basis. But now yeah. you've got Raquel. Now you've got Rhea. Obviously, Bianca's still around. Jade Cargill's joined the fray. She's a powerhouse. Physically speaking, this is a totally different world than you left a few years ago. What stands out most to you? That's okay. So that's what got me super excited because I've always, you know, back when I first tried out, I've always been like the bigger girl. And so seeing that roster, I'm like, how cool would it be to be a part of this big powerhouse roster? Like going into like coming from a different era, like this is a new era. So I'm have to change my entire way of working. You know, and it, it it's gonna challenge me mentally. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be like a mental exercise. And you know, I mean, Rhea, I got to work her once before I got released. And getting in there and having a little taste, she actually was the first person to ever make me bleed, like in the ring. It was super cool. I was like, no Bleh. one makes me bleed my own blood. My own blood. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. I said that to her too in the ring, and she popped. But um, no. So Rhea Ripley's insane. Like I just love everything about her and she's such a freaking powerhouse. And so, and Raquel as well, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, Oh, there's so many things, so many places me and Raquel could go. Like we had our match last week and it was just like a taste of what I think we could do. You know, I, I watched, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow and, um, Oh my gosh, why can't I think I watched Bam Bam Bigelow getting, getting up and going off the top rope and doing some crazy <laughs> being as big as he was like, 300 and some odd pounds. He was like you know, 360, over, almost four yeah, times. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he floated around, but he, you know, um, boss man and him would put on freaking crazy matches. Mm -hmm. And he said these two huge powerhouses doing things that people are like, wait a minute, big people can do that. And so now I'm like, Ooh, I can do these things. And, and so I'm excited about it. And like Jade coming into the mix, like you look at her and she looks like a freaking superhero mm -hmm. right like you're just like oh my gosh what can we do with this like this we can make the crowd just go nuts for this kind of stuff and and that's where my mind goes with this, this new roster i'm so excited well you don't have to wait very long for your opportunities to mix it up with not only one but four other yeah. female superstars in the fatal five way for the women's world championship coming up at crown jewel looking across the landscape why should the wwe universe believe that now is the time and that Naya is the woman to dethrone Rhea Ripley. Well, I mean, let's be real at the end of the day, uh, these girls are all trying to give me their best shot. And I, I said it Monday night, I haven't given anybody my best shot. Not what, like you've only seen a, a little taste of what I can do. I haven't even shown anybody. We haven't even had a full match or anything. So I feel like all these girls going for the title. I definitely feel like I'm the one to dethrone Rhea. You know, she needs to be put in her place. She's got her little dom-dom that's over there, you know, talking to All it does is take one 
simple bonsai drop off the top where I squish her and it's done. The annihilator. The annihilator. If you're looking around at that match though, you're talking a lot about Rhea Ripley. Who else stands out from this fatal five-way? Because every single woman in that match is a badass. Well, I'm not taking any of them for granted because, you know, you have Zoe Stark. She is super athletic, super duper strong. You know, she might be a little smaller in stature, but that girl is a powerhouse. She's a beast. And you have, right? Shayna Baszler, who basically, you know, gave Ronda Rousey her walking papers (laughs) at SummerSlam. I mean, that's a pretty huge feat to accomplish. I I was in the ring with Ronda and she was a total freaking badass. So, you know, Shayna's not, I mean, Shayna also broke my arm, the bitch. But, you know, <laughs> she's, saying, you got a receipt out. coming for that one, right? I'm like, mm, yeah, so she's she better get ready. And then you got Raquel Rodriguez. You know, she's she is a muscular, badass bitch. Like, I can't wait until, like, we actually have a one on one moment where we just totally go at each other and see who comes out victorious, which will be me. But Also, I think Raquel owes you uh, some new gear. She may have mm-hmm. spoiled your in-ring <laughs> she- attire ruined my gear her makeup print was on my stomach i thought it was so rude i had to take it to the dry cleaner i still haven't gotten it back yet so i'm gonna so send the bitch my you need bill. to do like the the million dollar man thing but with your dry cleaning receipt after you yeah. take her out just shove the receipt in her mouth like maybe <laughs> oh. do with a hundred dollar bill just here Ooh. here you sparkle you cleaners what? pay up <laughs> Yes, I need to. I couldn't believe it. it literally was the perfect imprint of her face. That was the only thing people were sending me messages of after that match was a perfect imprint of her face on my stomach. I was like, the ghost of Raquel isn't leaving me yet. Well, the good news is if that's what everybody took away from it, they've got a lot more to enjoy and experience between the irresistible <laughs> force and Raquel Rodriguez in the future. I cannot wait to see you collide with the rest of these badasses on the roster. Now I, I am happy you are back as my friend, as a Likewise. competitor. It's nice to see your smile. Despite what the internet says, I know who you are. <laughs> I enjoy being around you and, and, uh, and you are always welcome. I know this is the first time, but hopefully the first of many here on after the bell. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. No, Where can the after the story. bell faithful find you on Thank social you. media? Don't find me on social media. I don't want to hear from anybody. <laughs> All right. Enough said. Yes. <laughs> Easy enough. Well, in the meantime, <laughs> make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free wherever you get your podcast. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Full episodes of ATB are available on the official WWE YouTube channel each and every Monday. We've got some big things coming your way in the very near future. ATB 200 right around the corner. Thanks again to Nia Jax. And we will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.